0: Thank you to Union Pacific for their generous support as a sponsor of the NHI Podcast Network. This is NHI Notables with Ernesto Nieto, recorded at the National Hispanic Institute in Maxwell, Texas.
1: So here we are, National Hispanic Institute, doing another session of the NHI Notables. I'm Ernesto Nieto. I'm here with Julio Cotto and our very special guest, A.J. Del Cueto. I'm going to ask Julio to take us back to a remembrance of who these guys were, because A.J. had breakfast with Gloria this morning, and I'm not going to reveal what she said in private, but I'm, I'm going to remind <laughs> you guys, maybe A.J., well, you can hear his laughter when I bring up the name, but you were talking about there were several guys and several key people that are very well-known in the NHI community that went to Austin College later. So can you bring us back? And yeah, you, what year are we talking about here, Julio?
0: You use the word community right now, and I think that within NHI, there are these little sub-communities that, you know, or little groups of friendships. And so when I did the Texas LDZ... As a staff member, there was this little group that I think I had met the previous summer of young guys from San Antonio, and they were what all- What year are we talking about? It's going to be like 99, 2000, but it was 2000, and they were all on the staff, and it was <laughs> AJ Del Cueto's, Luis Gonzalez, who some people know the Edie in California, uh, Manny Escobar, who some people knew Annalise, who worked here for a while, but Manny in his own right, he works in hotels and hospitality, and- Rene Gonzalez from San Antonio. And they were, some of you guys were at Central Catholic. Uh, Manny
2: Manny, and I were. And
0: so, but they were part of that. I think that group that really helped grow what, I think of what a lot of NHI San Antonio is now. This big, huge monster of a organization. There were guys like this little group of guys that really helped build that culture up and they were the predecessors they were the predecessors i think a lot of you see. You
1: mentioned other names you mentioned other names that were like victor adias
0: well and then that's and then a pre that very next summer after that group they're in high school as a freshman aj comes back to become an intern sponsored i think by santa clara yeah victor adias who was also a college student nhir from dallas was sponsored by austin college and he was here that summer and um and so we just had a crazy summer of just lots of travel and good conversations. And so that's one of probably the last times that we probably spent a lot of time here with AJ. So Gloria
1: spends a lot of time relating to former participants. And she, she really needs to be um, congratulated. Even though she's my wife, she, she really does spend a lot of time relating and continuing to cultivate all friendships. And as we were leaving, and AJ, we were leaving breakfast, and Kyle, she turned to me and she said, They were part of the, what was y'all's name? The LDZ gods. That's-
2: uh, I never heard that one before. Because <laughs> no, no, I
1: remember you four guys would get up in front of the girls and all the guys, is, yeah. and y'all would dance up on stage.
2: We would, we would dance to DLG in our way of edas during that's, talent night.
1: That's
2: right. <laughs> ah. We love to dance.
1: <laughs> so, what was it that
0: brought aside from just being in school? Like, what what was it that brought you guys s- so close together? And I mean, it was all within NHI. I mean,
2: they
1: were all high school we were, high schoolers at the, the
2: time. We were, like friends. Like Renee and I were friends. Our mothers were friends. They had gone to like Leadership San Antonio together. They were kind of both okay leader leadership oriented trailblazing Latinas in their okay. own careers and whatnot. So they kind of got us into it. And so Renee and I were friends already before um, through family. And then I was going to school at Central and Manny was my friend at school. And then we all started going to, I think Renee had been a year before us. So he was actually a a junior counselor for us our YLC year. And, and that's, you know, being with uh, the other Gonzalez family with, Analco and Luis and um, they, they. I mean, they were really kind of the the hub that allowed us all to continue that social and philanthropic and giving back to the community, learning about these things, you know. And um, and then I guess uh, and Humberto Aguilera was also yes one of the ones who was dancing up there with us, and we were all kind of we went through Wild Sea together, so we had that. And that bonds you. And then it just kind of kept going. And we all were participants and counselors in every program from YLC to CWS. And I'm sure somebody went to Guanajuato or something for the, <laughs> for the Spanish language program. But That was the only one I didn't get to do. Well, I I think. Didn't
0: you time. guys also like finish your LDZ and then you got in the car to do CWS? Yeah. You guys were junior counselors, and then got in the truck and drove up to Dallas to do CDBS.
2: Yeah. so they were just nonstop. It was our yeah. It, it was a it was a strange like coalescence of friendship and like work that we were doing, and it was great. I yeah, it, it really felt like we were beginning something at the time.
1: Yeah, and so you you uh, in your case, you go to Santa Clara, and of course. Then the tragic news of your mother getting ill, and uh, you move back to Texas, and you end up going to UT.
2: Yeah, I had um, I had wanted to get out and explore out of high school, and everybody was applying to UT, and I just kind of was, do I want high school to be another college to be another high school? Let me try to push myself. And I was already, I think, in my mind, wanted to be in film, and so there was an allure of California, and um, I think even uh, Nicholas Gonzalez, who also went to my high school, he went out to California after he graduated and whatnot. He went to Stanford. He went to Stanford, and so there was, that seemed like the way to go um, if I wanted to do something creative, because... I don't know. I think this is all something we were talking about with Gloria is that sometimes in maybe maybe it's not just in Texas, but you kind of get pushed into these like more STEM related careers. Um, Hmm. Mine particularly was being a lawyer because my cousin is a lawyer and uh, it's a very uh, respectable position to have. And when I came to visit Texas... (laughs) I happened to visit some of my old friends, Umberto actually at UT Austin. And, uh, I decided if I'm going to come back to Texas, this is the only place I will come. So then I transferred and that was, uh, that was probably one of the best decisions I ever made too. It helped give me a very small liberal arts experience in college. And then a major university experience at the same time. But I, there was a big transition there going from a very small setting to a very large setting.
1: AJ, what was your vision and what was the beginning and the, the startup of your vision that eventually leads you into the idea of filmmaking and production and what, what were some of the building blocks or building experiences? Because you're right, most NHRs go into pretty established careers that become engineers, doctors, attorneys, teachers, college professors, architects nicholas gonzalez didn't and you didn't y'all y'all took a different route what what were some of the things that led to that decision you think well
2: that's a tough one because i i I think that it was seeing somebody like like a nick being able to do it i've always kind of not wanted to do what everybody else is doing i think so if everybody was going to go to UT it's like why like let's try something else and it was i don't it's really hard to say i guess i grew up it's probably just your experience your experience does kind of educate you even if you know it or not and my experience was watching lots of movies when i was a kid just my dad left me in my room with a bunch of vhs's and that's pretty much all i did so i kind of grew to know and understand a language of images. And it's, and I would always, I guess, as an athlete growing up, you're always kind of performing in front of crowds and whatnot. And you get used to being in that position. So if you're sitting at a desk somewhere in front of a computer, those experiences are no longer being communicated to by just sitting in front of a computer you you want to be out talking to people or making something or- well, what, what,
1: what was that creative part I'm curious and pursuing that line of thought filmmaking is also kind of a career yes it is creative yes you do have to explore imageries and try to make sense of things what what drove that interest is what I'm curious
2: I think there's a lot of power that that's that's there. Um, I I wanted to be a writer. Really, I was writing a lot of bad poetry when I was in high school. <laughs> and, <laughs> weren't we all? <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I knew I wanted to be a writer. I was like really into like the novelists, like early American novels, and and theater in the written form. And I guess I was taking some classes and not really. Everybody says Prince Dead. I mean, this was 10 years ago when before that really took place the way it has now. And I had a friend who was probably one of the smartest girls I ever met. And she was like, you know, well, you know, films the new text and whatnot. And I was like, you're right. And it's easier for me to write a screenplay than it's more like a poem (laughs) than writing a novel. (laughs) So let's try that. And luckily, I was in the honors program at UT and I had amazing professors that didn't want me to write a ridiculous paper 12 page essay that I'm not good at doing anyway. She's like, you want to write a play? Then write a play. And so I wrote a play and then I made a, made a painting and that was encouraged by my like professor and she gave me the space to do that. And so it kind of opened a rea- a new reality to me that I don't have to try to figure out the answer or the right structure to this. You can, in the world, you can create things and it has value. And it's all about who or what you're trying to do at the given time. And so she saw in me that I wanted to tell stories and I wanted to write them. So she gave me that because she knew I couldn't write a 12-page essay for (laughs) very well. (laughs) So, or that's where my heart wasn't. But... How'd you make the jump to New York from there? Um, I didn't really have a plan. After my mom passed my senior year, I was kind of coming to the realization, I don't want to be a lawyer. I don't want to do these things. I want to do whatever's going to get me out of bed in the morning. And I had just kind of been exploring more of these creative classes and I got caught up with some some of the theater crowd at UT, and like made great friends with an amazing playwright. And I was in a play my senior year, and it um, it started just kind of opening new new things, new places I had never been before. And once you lose some something that important to you, you are kind of like all bets are off. Like let's gotcha. let's do let's do the thing that's going to make me get out of bed. Let's cause you only get one chance at this, you know? So, and I think also as a philosophy major, I was reading a lot of existentialism and it was freaking me out. So,
1: (laughs) so I was kind of like, you got to do it. All of us. You got to do it.
2: So I'm very sensitive to like what I'm experiencing or studying at a given time. I think that sensitivity hopefully like uh, informs Whatever work or art I try to create. But um, yeah, that was some pretty scary times during uh, existentialism (laughs) class, (laughs) my senior year. My existentialist phase. Yeah.
1: So so you point Northeast. Uh, I think that was the question.
2: At the end of school, everybody was just picking up and moving to New York. And I was kind of wanted, didn't want to get left behind. So I just moved to New York with all my friends because. I had had this like previous plan when I was at, you know, in San Antonio, like what my plan was going to be. I was going to go to California for undergrad and then go to New York for grad school, like study film. But that kind of, you know, life gets in the way. I went to California to back in Austin, which has a film community and it's growing. It's amazing. But at the time it didn't feel like there was quite enough of that here. So I was like, I'm going to get back on my plan and I'm going to go to New York, and go to grad, go to film school, and and I, so I, so I did that, and I slept on, took two suitcases, and slept on my friends' couches, and uh, looked for work, and and an apartment, which was actually, I ended up having to take the the leap of, I had sold my my car here, and like, just had to get an apartment without a job, and have faith that. I could make that happen because it was like impossible to find a place to live and a job at the same, at the time. same time. It's like both of those are full-time jobs. <laughs> so kind of went on a ledge, got the apartment in the Lower East Side, little closet, and uh, yeah, started interning at uh, at a production company. And because most of the people, when I was in college, I had been watching lots of movies and the... The behind the scenes and listening to the commentary. the commentary, And most of the filmmakers that I ever respected didn't go to film school. They just, they've been making films since they were five years old or eight years old, you know, at home. And I think it was probably even like a, we had uh, Robert Rodriguez come to our high school and talk to us when he had just, like, it was after Desperado. And I think he was still trying to get Chufa cover off the ground and whatnot. But hearing somebody, like that who went to high school in San Antonio to those are if I guess it was also something my dad kind of raised me with. It's like if if they can do it, I can do it. And so you find these little role models in And he life.
0: wasn't in the film program, right? Who? Uh Robert Rodriguez. No, he just
2: did it. Like he that just was a thing. And that those were I've focused on that my whole life where just do it because Fake it till you make it. I mean, I've, I've, I, and it keeps coming back around. I, I listen to podcasts and hear about people's experiences, and that's really what it is a lot of times. A lot of people who deserve something don't ever get it. And some people who try their whole lives to do one thing might not ever get it, but if you have the opportunity or you want to do something, you have to try. Or like you were saying, Ernie, about regret, and yeah. you don't ever want to have that.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the big fear. That's something that you want to do. And now for a quick break. The National Hispanic Institute is an organization with a 37-year history of working to change the social narratives of our young Latinas and Latinos to help them envision a new America, a new Latino community, a new direction, and a different kind of culture. We want our young people to be inspired by who they are and see the asset value of our culture and these 800 million people in this vast amount of land that starts all the way in Canada and goes all the way to the tip of Argentina.
2: Our hope for an alum is that, A, that they have the mindset of giving back to their community, that they wanna help, they wanna contribute and B is that they realize this throughout their entire lives and make leadership part of their overall journey throughout their whole life.
1: The National Hispanic Institute has been part of my life for as long as I can remember. It has literally
0: educated and re-educated an entire generation or two now of young Latinos and
1: their allies around the country, around the world, to think about our community and think about our role in the community as being change agents and ultimately in advancing the cause and the needs of our community.
2: Personally, the National Hispanic Institute has helped me reach goals and do things that I didn't think I was going to be able to do before.
1: And so what we did was create these learning experiences where young people could learn to be in charge of things. We
2: just encourage people to go way beyond a career in life. We want to see them have
0: a community calling. NHI is a place where I come and
2: I have to learn how do I pass on values. And then the benefit of that self belief that it's possible things are possible for all of us and that we can contribute to the success of others
1: we look at the richness of our community at its value at its capacities and we go from that point forward we don't want our young people to look at themselves and their communities and look down we want them to look up and be inspired
0: and now back to the conversation
1: I wanted to get your views on where you think Latinos are in the film industry.
2: They're everywhere. Um,
1: They're involved, engaged, emerging? Emerging, yeah,
2: I think so. I I have had a interesting relationship with that idea, I think, since the beginning. And I remember early on in the film industry, because I was also like... Right when I was getting out of school, I had just done some plays and we're all trying to decide what we were going to be. Are you going to, oh, I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be a director. I want to be a producer. And most of us aren't going to get any of those jobs. We're going to get like assistant to an assistant of something or of a producer or an editor or something. You get your first job or something or a PA. And um, <clears throat> I... Um, kind of lost my trick. Well
1: where the was idea the, was had they had
2: to where, do with Latinos and film. Where and are they? Yeah. It. There it's just yeah, I mean at the time, at least roles, the roles weren't there. Most I They were either you were being portrayed in a certain light. It was like on law and order. It's like, oh well he's he's the perpetrator or, you know, and there were like even i there were actors in the back in the day who were latino but they they didn't say they said they were white you know because that was easier um and some people in the industry you don't even realize that they are latino until they say it on their social media or something but they're there it's growing i but i've always felt like even Latinos as a culture is we are a mixture of things and everybody's got a little bit of it in them and, you know, whether they like to admit it or not. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, but there are, there are more leading roles that are, are positive And there are, I, I still think that there is room to grow in the producer world. I don't really know that there's that many. I mean, we have some amazing directors. I don't know that they all live here in America, um, but they are, they're emerging. I always thought they were here. That's always been my kind of thing is like, we were, we were here a long time ago. Well, in San like Antonio, you, you can go, always
0: see those things. Yeah. Out, it's right? like,
2: it's, it's weird your experience. Cause like San Antonio, I feel like has just always been that way. And so I'm used to Latinos being everywhere. They like, Henry Cisnos was our mayor and like, you know, the, all these city council members and they, they permeate the whole region, but in, when I was a kid, I didn't see those role models on television or in movies the way I wanted to. I wanted to bring those stories out or be that character because, or at least have control over that in the future, because... If you don't, then people will write your story however they like. And if it's um, if there are things that you want to say and it's part of your culture, then you have the right to say it and you should say it. Because, yeah, I, I don't think there are enough voices out there.
1: I was sharing with you the my vision about NHI being a legitimate institute where young people learn certain things that are not part of the college or high school experience Mm -hmm. that has to do with courage and inspiration, with vision, with character building, things of that nature. And I really feel as if though you can build an entire institute around that. That happens to be my vision. I was asking you about yours. So fast forward 20 years, uh, and you'll have been in the business uh, 32 years and uh, thereabouts. Where do you see AJ Del Cueto? Where would you like to see him?
2: Well, I would like to be making like feature films and commercials in Texas. I'd like to have a studio back here in my home state where I can create projects and also potentially be a place where people can come and learn those particular types of skills um, I guess maybe it's because of my experience going through NHI it's always been a teach and learn teach and learn and that carries through life and it's a you know it's it's being self-aware it's be, it's like a feedback and that's like the only way you can be successful I think otherwise you create something that gets real big and it turns into something else. And I want to be making the content or the movies and commercials that people are going to see, young Latinos are going to see, and they're going to see themselves doing whatever they want. Whereas when I grew up, those images weren't really there. I mean, so I would like to have the ability to create stories that aren't traditional sometimes or 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 remembering i i love historical dramas i love like there's a lot of history here in this state and our people have been through lots of things throughout that time and it's important for us to to reveal these stories that before they get lost because there are a lot of instances in In the past, where all sorts of people have done courageous things, men, women, people that were not allowed to have agency, what they created out of it, and, yeah, just participating in a positive expression of the culture.
1: What do you think the NHI experience exposed you to?
2: Well, it definitely exposed me to some good people. A lot of great people <laughs> all over the state. I mean, I think back to my experience in high school and we live in one of the biggest states in the country and I knew people in El Paso and in Brownsville and in Corpus Christi and in I mean, Actually, it was pretty hilarious when we would be at, an, at LDZ and they would put the the city where everybody w- was from, and I'm like Flower Mound, or like what? Like they just come up with <laughs> where is that? Like where is this place? Or like just just like every you could just put anything. Is that my? It's my Dallas,
0: right? <laughs> Flower Mound. Yes. Yeah.
2: But there's just a lot of places that you don't even know exist, and then you've met some really amazing person who. Turns into like like uh, Mary Gonzalez in El Paso, who's now a state yeah. representative, and it's like, yeah, well, we went to LDC together or, or YLC, and I remember we had a great time, and so that that is huge. You don't there are still people who never leave their town; they don't have to be they ju- they never leave San Antonio, they never leave Austin, or they never leave the state, or they went to that one place one time. But my whole experience was going down to the valley and visiting Tino because we used to play St. Joseph's down there. And like, <laughs> you know, and I st- still see him, you know, even when he comes up to San Antonio and I happen to be at Central or something, I think I saw him at the last homecoming game or something yes, like that. Yes, that's right. And it's just like, I'm like, I would never have had that experience. I mean... It, Tino giving us even more experience, taking us down to Mexico when we were <laughs> 16 or 17, I don't remember. But it's kind of like, it was a whole... That's thing. unofficial. That's it's unofficial. Unofficial. I think tacos. we were, we were the tacos totally... Tacos are great, The man. 18, yeah. <laughs> but um, the uh, it was uh, a great... It's an exposure to... I think it's exactly what you wanted it to be. And those stories that you would tell us about how you... The games that other cultures do to teach their kids how to survive in this world. I mean, I was lucky enough to, to go to a school where they try to tell you a little bit more than I would say the average school on life skills and stuff like that. But um, there is, I mean, being able to sit in the state capitol, like as a senator or as a, you know, we were in the Supreme Court Chambers, I mean, that's incredible. And so when I I, I ended up doing like an internship for the state, like one of my last summers, I lived in Texas and I was right back there in the state capitol. And it wasn't like it was, I had already had that experience and I didn't feel intimidated by things and
1: getting up,
2: getting up in front of everybody and making speeches. I mean... You Kind of do that if you run for student council and when you're in high school, but I, you know, honestly, I think getting up and us performing the little uh, <laughs> little, little dances, salsa dances little that was really the thing that that's what really uh, yeah, got me out of my shell. And, <laughs> and it's, it's but it's, you know, it's
0: funny to go back to NH, what I and I think why Gloria likes the story of these guys getting up and doing their little salsa dance with wayaveras. <laughs> is because especially in that time, they could have gotten up and danced to some pop song yeah. or some uh, an English language song, or they could have put on very like just urban jerseys, or they could have put on some Spurs stuff. I mean, they got up and they danced Latino music to the kids,
1: and well, you they know, made it cool. Gloria has been very key to all of that in terms of the symbols, in terms of the environment, because I don't know if you guys remember this, but at every dance, Gloria and I would always make a point to go dance a polka. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason we did is because it was so old-fashioned. Oh, my God. You're dancing a polka, and it was so funny watching these young kids then try to mimic us.
0: I got dragged on as an yeah. LDZ this Pennsylvania
1: kid these kids never by the Valley polka. people come dance. Yeah, they'd never done a polka in their lives and, and they look ridiculous. But before long the entire two hundred kids were out in the dance floor, dancing polkas and being exposed to a beautiful part of their past and a beautiful part of their history and a beautiful part of their culture, right? And they could relate it to themselves, they could relate it to their parents, they could relate it to their grandparents, and and so that was the reason. This was planned. This was not. Gloria would say, "Are you ready?" I knew what that meant. It's just like the day she was directing us, right? Yeah. And it was it was like, uh, yes, I'm ready. <laughs> and we'd have to go out there and dance. But today, you you told a great story about you went back years later, and you see some kids with NHI badges on. Can you tell Julio about that? I think it's a great story.
2: I was uh, in Austin because I come home two or three times a year, um, and I, I guess I was just in Austin walking through UT campus. I was probably showing somebody, um, "This is where I went to school, and this is our gym, and this is the biggest. Um, this is the biggest dorm in you know the Western civilization. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like there's a Jester, and then all of a sudden I see these like well dressed." Uh, students walking with lanyards and uh, I see it says NHL, and I'm like hey take me to your masters (laughs) (laughs) I'm like where are you guys from and they're like "Uh, San Antonio or something and so they I'm like so they take me upstairs all up into Jester and I'm in this room and all of a sudden they open the door and it's uh, Luis Gonzalez Analco and Anita. Anita and Olivia and uh, and it was just like the whole gang, the whole family right there. And you're just and like, just like hey. Hey. yeah, and had a great, had hugs and, um, you know, this,
1: great, this, great, this, great,
2: this, great times. And so, yeah.
1: This guy named Frank Garza, who went to the LDZ in 1984, was in LA. And um, he was in the airport getting ready to come back. And he saw a bunch of kids crying. And they were all wearing the lanyards and all that. <laughs> Yeah, And he didn't realize that we were then, by this time, we'd only been in Texas, right, for many years. You went essentially when we were mostly in Texas. Mm -hmm. But now we were in California. And a lot of people, he didn't realize that we had spread over there. And he goes, well, I guess they're now national. And I said, yeah, we're now international. Because it's the same thing. I was in Monterrey one day. And I was coming down the elevator of this hotel. And these two girls kept smiling at me. And I kept smiling at them, They like they wanted to say something, and they were young girls, and they finally said, Señor Nieto, verdad? And I go, yeah. She said, we went to the old DC, and there we go. It's like this huge family all over the world. I was with Nicole one day, and we were in Spain, and we were out with her friends, like two or three in the morning, and I heard Mariachi, and we went into this bar. And there were people from NHI in that bar at that time at 3 o'clock in the morning <laughs> in Madrid, Spain. And that's when I finally said, they're all over the world. Mm-hmm. And so so what? what is your, you know, at the end of the day, your intent is to maybe come back, set up a studio, pass on your knowledge, share it with other people. How do you paint Latinos of tomorrow? That was a conversation we started in my office. Where, where do you see us, AJ? You're in the imagery business. You're in that telling the story. What do you think our story is going to be? Let's close out with that. Where do you where do you see that story taking us?
2: Whew. Um, well, that's that story is that story hasn't been told yet, and so I don't know. That's a good question. I think that. I, I've always, I don't know, I think I always co- go back to these stories you used to tell us, or maybe was, during that time uh, when we were at the programs, and I always thought about, I always, like, zeroed in on, like, Latinos being, like, the cosmic race, like, we are the kind of, we're the solution, we're the mixture of everything, like, and, like, I, I always hated stories having like boundaries or you can't, this person can't, this person can't have this role because, you know, I think that Latinos can do anything and their story is all the stories. It's, it's, a, it's a story of unity. I don't, it's, it's kind of hard. I've never really been asked a specific question. Thank you for giving me some something to think about for the future. But I do, I just think that it's showing that our culture has always been one of inclusion and a crossroads of, of cultures. And I see San Antonio, I see Texas as a representation of that as well. The, you know, this has been a crossroads for centuries and people are talking about it like this is a new thing now. What what, you have, I don't want to say the name, but you have Donald Trump saying that Mexicans are this. And I'm like, we are not this. We are everything. And I don't want for him to be the one telling our story. I want to be the one telling all the stories and not have any bounds on it. So that story is... Latinos in space, it's, you know, that's why I like, I like Robert Rodriguez's his approach to things because it doesn't matter that they're Latino, they're just doing it like Spy Kids and that kind of project where that was always my vision where I didn't feel like I had those boundaries on me and NHI was a place where I realized how those boundaries were put in place and given a playground with which to experiment and learn those life skills, and it's about making that ecosystem in the world because it's on TV or in a movie theater, and you learn it subconsciously. Those messages aren't, the messages are of positivity and unity and achievement, which should not be, shouldn't have anything to do with our culture.
1: Well, I think you're going to pay the greatest compliment, AJ, to us when you write that story. And uh, I, I agree. Uh, the best thing my wife and I have been able to do is put people in a space where they can create their story and not be told what their story ought to be, and and not put any boundaries or limitations or ceilings, so that they can imagine what and who and when they want to become. Um, I'll be interested in what you write. I'll be interested in what you film. and I'll be interested in what you produce. More anything else, I want to thank you for taking the time. I thank Gloria for staying in touch with you. Gloria does a magnificent job because she loves the NHI community very deeply. Uh, But uh, I do want to finish with this is that you will always be, you will always be one of the LDZ gods, <laughs> I think. I think I I I have that mental picture stuck in my head.
2: Well, I have some I have some photographs that I had blown up. I'll send you one. You can send put it in your office.
1: Put it in my office. office of I would love to of have out. the LDZ gods because it was such a fun and enriching time. Thank you so much, AJ, for this opportunity. Yeah, thank you, Ernie, we'll, for we'll having me. We'll meet again. Julio. Thank you, Julio. Thanks a lot. <laughs>
0: For more information on the National Hispanic Institute please visit our website www.nationalhispanicinstitute.org Call us at 512-357-6137. Find us on Facebook at NHIHQ or on Twitter, NHI underscore news and at Instagram and Snapchat, NHI underscore news. Thank you to Union Pacific for their generous support as a sponsor of the NHI Podcast Network.